Thanks for being a part of the Wellspring Podcast this week. Uh, the last few weeks we've been looking at and studying the Holy Spirit. We called it Forgotten God, our series Forgotten God. And every week uh, I've said that the staff uh, differs on the, some of the, the points, some of the finer points, I guess, of, uh, of the Holy Spirit and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And so this week on the podcast, you're going to actually get to hear from them, from Phil and Aaron and Tyler, and uh, they're going to share a little bit about where they land on the Holy Spirit. And so this week, uh, I look forward to hearing from them. Uh, Phil's going to start us off and uh, share, and then we'll work our way down from there. Uh, Phil, uh, we've talked about the Holy Spirit the last few weeks, and uh, I mean, using kind of the place that I came from, where would you say you land on on this doctrine, on the person of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that those sorts of things? Well, I've, I've probably made a long journey in this study, probably all of us have. Uh, back in our tradition, uh, most of the the teaching that I received really didn't, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit hardly at all. And I, I find that's true with a lot of different doctrines within the church. There are different segments of the body of Christ that focus on uh, certain doctrines. And uh, the Holy Spirit was in a particular denomination, that's the ones that always talked about those, study those scriptures, and we had answers. But in in my life, I've made a journey into this, especially being around a lot of missionary people, uh, missionaries in my family, a lot of what you talked about before, where you're on the mission field and you begin to see, uh, a, and I, I even had one professor that said uh, he didn't really believe demon possession was current. or I, I almost feel like, uh, the church sort of went into a, um, a process of even denying any kind of spiritual influence mm -hmm. uh, or the miraculous. And, and we've seen a whole, you know, uh, all of the universities that no longer believe in miracles, no longer believe in. And, and so the Holy Spirit was just sort of shoved to the side in, in some of that regard. So, but as I began to encounter other groups that that did focus on the teaching of the Holy Spirit, um, we didn't really, we never had a hymnal in the in the Christian church. We used other people's hymnals. We mm -hmm. oftentimes uh, borrowed teachings from others. We went through a period where we were legalistic and had to really discover grace. But if you look back in the roots of where I came from, um, there there is a you know, if you go back to the, we were from the old light anti-seceder Presbyterian church and, and Raccoon John Smith, they were just a blending of denominations. I think from my early days, I always had my ear to other groups saying, now what, what do they say? What do they really say? I've been told what they say, mm -hmm. but what do they really say about the Holy Spirit? And I, I've listened intently to the teaching on the Holy Spirit, especially from some of the holiness groups, or I've, I've studied some of the revival things, and um, I've really come to the conclusion that a lot of the passages that we use to discount um, current current use of um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the miraculous gifts, or uh, even the use of that term, some being miraculous, some not uh -huh. miraculous, really come more to the conclusion that they are much more employed uh, than than I was taught when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would land on that. I, so you think that they are still used today? I, I still think they are used today. I would say, you know, uh, which, if I go to 
for instance, to Corinthians, and I look at what Paul is talking about when he, when the passages that that are where he he says that uh, prophecy will cease and tongues will cease, and the use of the the idea that the perfect is somehow that we have received the full revelation. Then I look at the rest of that passage where Paul says we see darkly right now, mm-hmm. and I can't see that we have a more full revelation than Apostle Paul who went to the third heaven mm-hmm. and saw the things that we will never see. So, and, and in the context, I really believe that he is talking about a future time when we are face-to-face with the Lord. And so that would be my interpretation of that scripture. But um, I really feel like what Paul is arguing in, and, and this is where I would come down on the gifts as far as application in the church, is Paul was... Paul was said that the Corinthian church was not lacking in any spiritual gift, but they were certainly lacking in in, in maturity. He said, I'd yes. love to speak to you as, as spiritual people, but I have to speak to you like carnal, because you have, although you have all the gifts, you do not use them in a way to build up the body. And so I think that's most of what his argument is about, that they need to folk be, they really need to learn how to love. They need joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, because... Mm-hmm. Just have, possessing the gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean that you use them in the right way. I mean, yeah. when he sent the apostles out and and gave them powers, if you look at Matthew 10 and all the, the listing of those, um, the, the authority that he entrusted to them. And we kind of pick and choose which gifts mm-hmm. out of that passage. Yes, we believe we are sheep among wolves, but we don't believe some of the things that were imparted to the church are valuable today, but uh, are in use today. But when he is uh, giving these apostles these powers, they come back and they say, well, you know, even the demons are subject to us. And he says in response to them, well, don't be so excited about power. Be excited that your names are written in heaven. And so, and even one instance because they understood the authority that God, that Jesus had given them, when they're going through Samaria, and the Samaritans at that at that time rejected Jesus, he, the apostles sort of said, "Well, you want us to call down fire from heaven and mm-hmm. devour them." And so, here's what I what I come with 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 the gifts that are given is a, is a great responsibility and. The gifts are always given according to the scriptures, according to the will of the Lord. It's not that we decide that we get some certain gift, but it's yeah. uh, he. It was revealed at first to the Lord and by those who testified, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His own will. Mm-hmm. So the gifts are always given at at God's decision. Mm-hmm. But Paul does say, seek, seek, seek for the giftings. And yeah. I, I think we think some, sometimes this is, this is just a New Testament thing too, but there are reference in the Old Testament about spiritual gifts given to, for instance, those that constructed the tabernacle uh, um, were specifically uh, said they were given <clears throat> spiritual gifts to do that. So to me, this is more of a manifestation of the gifts are more of a manifestation of the 
the Spirit's power mm-hmm. that is given to certain people to exercise. So you can look at all the lists of gifts, and the, uh, none of the list, list, list of spiritual gifts is the same throughout the Scripture, but you can, you can see that there are many, many different spiritual gifts, but there's, he says they all come from one Spirit. Yeah. And so to say, this one's miraculous, but that's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say the la- in my last part of it um, is one of the most convincing things is when I've been in situations where I've, I've, you can call it providence or you can call it a word of knowledge, but I've seen these gifts in action mm-hmm. where people will have knowledge about someone else that um, they should not have yeah. other than that the Lord gave them insight to another person's heart and mind. Yeah. So if you would call that prophecy or yeah. a word of knowledge, I've, I've seen enough of that um, just in my background of, of working. I work with Pastors Prayer Center. I work with different denominational group. I write for a Nazarene Publishing House. I, mm-hmm. I, I was in campus ministry where I came in contact with different groups. And, and so I've just sort of come to the conclusion that that there's probably more that we need to to study and understand from some groups that have really really stu- understood and and pursued the these studies. The yeah. Spirit, yeah. So Absorbed. that's that's a lot. But, yeah, no, yeah. that's good. Aaron, how about you? Well, I have I am hesitant to define myself in one camp. If I would use your sermon using the idea of cessationist, non-cessationist, um, and if you don't know what that means, I guess listen to the sermon first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But I'm hesitant to put myself in a camp because I think people, uh, once they, a great example is I was talking with someone and they, they assumed I was in a certain camp and that automatically brought up certain ideas that were not true of what I held. Yeah. And so, um, but that said, um, I would put myself in the cessationist camp. Now, I'll give these caveats um, to that because I know with that come a whole bunch of ideas that people think of cessationists saying there's no miracles. Um, this, the people that I've read, that's not what they were. That's not what they would say, and that's certainly not what I would believe. Mm-hmm. I hope um, I hope that I made that clear. On yeah, Sunday. I think you did. I think one because yeah. one one of the things that really drilled it home for me was one of your first, the first quotes when you were quoting a cessationist. Like, oh, that's 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 what I believe. Yeah, Tom Pennington. Tom I Pennington. Think, yeah, yeah, he's a. Good, good theologian. Maybe. Yeah, uh, when you when you said that, I'm like, no, that's that's what I believe. And, and here's maybe how it makes sense. I think um, on a personal level, I think over the last year, I have on three occasions that the person I was praying for would say it, and I would say it. I prayed for them, and a miracle happened. Like they didn't have to go to the hospital; the thing was healed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been other situations I've been in where there was a demon possessed woman, and things happened in there. Um, in that situation, um, but again, those were those would be my experiences. But to say that that is not outside the realm of what I think a, a cessationist would be, because ultimately I hold to that to that type of approach or that view, not because it's a good word, because um, like you said, not good marketing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, is is really that the the First Corinthians thirteen. Um, through there when he talks about these things will cease, when he's talking about prophecy, word of knowledge, and, and tongues, mm-hmm. and then how that fits within the whole bandwidth of the New Testament and how the other lists fit into that list. And um, 
and what the different authors would list. I don't have, there isn't any issue with me putting meaning into the word, these things will pass away or these things will cease. There isn't any issue with seeing those things cease on a whole, on a wholesale level being normal. Because I would never, um, back up, saying those gifts ceasing and not being a normal activity within a person like it was in the, in the first century, meaning, you know, like Peter walking up the steps and someone getting healed just by a shadow, um, he, he would have the gift of healing. And that would keep in line with all the thing about this, this is the ministry of the Spirit and not a human being. I don't have an issue with someone on the mission field even having um, stories of those things happening. I don't think that falls outside of the bandwidth of being a cessationist. Um, in order for that, in order for me to take out the, the, the idea of these will pass away, this will cease, this will pass away, it says it three times about three different things whether it was prophecy, tongues, or word of knowledge, in order for to make sure that that word has meaning, for me to change that and say that I was a non-cessationist, um, I would have to see that missionary, um, and this is what I think you see in the first in the first century church, that missionary not just perform miracles when, they're authentic, when the gospel is getting authenticated, or in my case, not just when I'm praying for one person three times in the last year, that happening like non-stop like no Aaron has the gift of healing no that missionary he came off that field over there he walks into he walks into our church here and people just start getting healed uh, because because he has the gift of healing um, I don't think those I think the experience I think that jives with first Corinthians it's not that uh, people were going to stop um, speaking in tongues or that prophecy wouldn't happen in certain situations it's but that they weren't going to be normal Mm -hmm. um, gotcha. All right, Tyler. Okay. Your turn. Yeah. Um, I think my answer to this will, because the three of us have all given, well, we'll have given different um, answers and answer the question differently with different emphases. And, and so I think mm -hmm. hopefully maybe my answer will give a, a look, speak a little bit into, Scott, what you said uh, last week in the sermon. Um, I believe it was last week. If, if, um, if these things are to be continued, um, why don't we see them? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think the I tried to write out some of my thoughts and and uh, my answer to this, and and so hopefully that'll give maybe a little bit of my thoughts at least on that, or, or sure. why I think that we don't really see it all that much. Yeah. Um, but I believe most mostly just based off of my own experience. This mm -hmm. isn't something that I have a uh, super strong opinion for or something that I have um, studied uh, in depth um, have looked through all the all the different texts that speak on on this issue and it's just not something that I've I've gotten to in my own in my own studies yet so I speak mostly from uh, my own experience um, or experiences of others that I've that heard of but yeah absolutely. yeah I believe that the uh, um, that the miraculous gifts and and I again I, I kind of wrote mostly thinking of like speaking in tongues because uh -huh. um, that's what we talked about this last week but yes I believe that the gift of speaking of t speaking in tongues is still used today mm -hmm. um, and the miraculous gifts are still used today um, but I I personally like I haven't experienced any of those to my knowledge sure um, but I know people personally who claim that they have themselves spoken in tongues or witnessed others um, speaking in tongues. And so it, 
it's hard for me be, trusting those people um, and believing them to be credible witnesses and mm-hmm. and whatnot to um, get past their testimony that they've experienced these things. Yeah. Um, but also have to take into mind where these experiences oftentimes um, are taking place. Um, because I believe that in most of our context, at least in Western culture, mm-hmm. um, we probably shouldn't see a lot of these things happening um, uh, just because of our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I think that if you look at our churches, um, our culture, our churches today are, are filled with lots of unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And um, if we're going to be speaking in, in tongues, and there, you know, there's some some things that need to come with that. There needs to be an interpreter, and and you know, it's um, should be for the edification of, of believers. And you're going to mm-hmm. have all of these unbelievers. Like, what in the world is going up with that? You know, going going on with that. And so I don't think in our context it necessarily fits in mm-hmm. Western culture. Um, uh, but I, I think there are a couple of places where it do, does fit. And, and number one, that being in a place where the gospel has never been before, been before yeah. which I think we definitely see in the book of Acts. Um, anytime that the gospel moves into a new region or into a new people group, um, it, it comes with this miraculous power of the Holy Spirit where they start speaking in tongues and people are healed and all of these things mm-hmm. um, are happening. And then number two, is a place with a strong connection to the supernatural or, or with strong affinities to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that in Western culture. Yeah, we're skeptical we're, of it. Yeah, we're very skeptical of it. Yeah. In a, an increasingly um, post-Christian, post-religious culture, very secular culture, um, people are very, very skeptical of anything that is not, um, quote-unquote, truth mm-hmm. right um, empirical data and if it's not that then I don't even want to talk about it I don't want to deal with it don't put it in my face we're not gonna we're not gonna deal with that yeah. and um, and so I think that that is perhaps a big turnoff to a lot of people in our culture and I think that's why we don't don't see it oftentimes here but um, in places like um, like Africa or, or places where those people groups have a much stronger affinity to um, the supernatural. I think we hear a lot more stories coming out of places like that. Mm-hmm. Or I've got a friend who um, who went to uh, Northern Ireland, a very uh, pretty dark place, mm-hmm. and in places where the gospel is going, where people that have never heard it before, um, some very miraculous things seem to be happening. Yeah. And again, I haven't witnessed those firsthand, but it's hard for me to discredit um, those witnesses. Sure. And uh, so I'll just close with a with a couple of things. In um, my Acts class that I took in uh, my sophomore year of college, uh, we had a couple of sayings about the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and I say sayings because I don't want to say frameworks because once we tar- start talking about frameworks, well then... Holy Spirit, he starts breaking those frameworks. So I just call them sayings. Um, But uh, the first saying is this. The Holy Spirit does what he wants, where he wants, when he wants, how he wants, with or without your permission. Exactly. Um, If if the Holy Spirit wants to do it, and it's within God's character and God's nature, 
uh, by all means, he has, I believe he has the freedom to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, who am I or who are we to tell him otherwise? Exactly. Um, and the second is that the Holy Spirit often works in patterns and not in formulas. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as we think we've got him figured out <laughs> is the second we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's uh, God is just so creative. Yeah. Like he, he works in, in similar patterns, but he always, always does it in a, a new way. He doesn't ever seem to really go the same route twice. He's always finding new paths to do um, to do new things. So I just say that to give that to people like, oh, okay, here's, yeah. here's some things to think about for you. Um, and then lastly is just a framework for approaching, approaching these kind of topics where there's uh, maybe a lot of division where, you know, it's like, well, he's experienced this, but I've never, you know, had that kind of experience or or whatever. So I've got three frameworks for us to think about these things. It's that um, the Bible is still God's word and is still our authority on these on these matters. Um, so be aware of your or second one. Be aware of your own uh, of your own and others' presuppositions uh, when discussing tongues and miraculous gifts and how they shape your own interpretations. Um, and then the last one, three, is that the Bible, not our experience, not our feelings, not our presuppositions, uh, should determine our thoughts on uh, the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, and on every topic for that matter. Mm-hmm. And we must have a biblical basis for our theology and for our practice. Um, it shouldn't just be because we you know, saw some crazy thing on TV or heard about it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, our beliefs need to, to come back to Scripture, back to the text, because that is what God has, has given in us, given to us, and and that's what we, as Christians, uh, base our worldview, base our lives on. Um, so I encourage you, if you got a disagreement about this with somebody, um, take them back to the text. Mm-hmm. You go back to the text as well. Just keep yeah. keep looking at it, pouring over it, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, get some wisdom out of it. Yeah, so. that's what we can have confidence in. That's right. The text is where we can. It's a the bedrock for what we know God has revealed about himself. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I said we all landed in different spots, and we do. And so uh, this is a, a, a topic. It's an important topic, but it's not uh, central to the gospel topic. You can land on different or in different spots and still be faithful to uh, God's word and to the text. And so that's why it's such a fun topic to talk about, to discuss. I hope you had a good time in your home group discussing it. Uh, but we do land in different spots, and that is a good thing. Well, thanks for spending some time with us as we talk about the Holy Spirit. And uh, we look forward to seeing you Sunday morning, either at 9 or 10.30. See you there. Thanks, Wellspring.